0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody?
1: Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Show. My name is Josh Shalo, joined by Barton Simmons, Trey Scott, later by Connor Tapp. How are we doing today, guys? Ready. We're ready to roll
2: got uh top 5s we're going to talk about a little debate about who the best team in college football is a little hot seat talk a little hot seat talk a little but We're, really, a we're talk. really in the season when you got
3: hot seat
1: yeah. talk going we
3: don't have to make up storylines
1: yeah. anymore uh, hit us with your questions comments we'll read those throughout the show all right let's go ahead and hit it guys so we are a month in we've seen you know a good amount of football from everybody it's probably a good time to see who's like a pretender who's not you know who or who's really good uh, so let's go and get to your top five. So let's start with that.
3: Yeah. So as we kind of look at all of this, who we got some stuff to talk about. I'm just gonna say it is nice that there are more than two good teams in college football. Three different number ones. We have three. Yeah, three different number ones. Barton, let's start with you because you're the most important guy here. Ohio Hello. State. Thank you, Trey. Ohio State. Walk so, us through that. No. Here's here's the thing, and and, and
2: I, I think of you as a progressive thinker, Trey. Yeah. I don't think of you as someone that's just sheep that follows the crowd right. and is just going to do what everyone else is doing. So I'm a little bit <laughs> surprised, if not disappointed, to see you sticking with Clemson at okay. number one. So I'm going to let you defend All it. Right. But I'm going to first tell you why I don't think it right, should be Kanye. number one. Because
4: I don't even know what that means.
2: Yeah, I don't I'm going to
3: let you defend <laughs> it. Like,
2: oh, I got you. All right. Here's where I stand on this. You can think Clemson – is going to win the national championship, and, and I, I, I would ha- wouldn't fault you there. Uh, you could think that Clemson is likely the best team in the country, and I probably wouldn't even fault you there either. But if you th- if you believe, as I believe, man, maybe you don't believe this, but I believe that the ranking should reflect what's happening on the field, not hunches, not last season, not preconceived notions, not recruiting rankings, whatever. It should reflect... It can reflect all that stuff week one, even week two. But at this point, we have seen a significant body of work from everybody. And it's hard to make a case that Clemson is the best team in the country based on their body of work. And I think that the polls should reflect that. You can still believe they'll win the national championship. You can bet on them. You can pick them, all that. And I think that's very defensible.
3: But I, I don't understand having them number one all in right. the polls. So I, I didn't change my top two from preseason, Clemson, Alabama. And it's not that I'm, like, disregarding Ohio State's or LSU's body of work. But it, Clemson beat Texas A&M. So it, even if we want to talk body of work, it's not like they've, like, been a joke of a team so far. I can't unsee 44 to 16, guys. Like, I know this is a new year and this is a new team, but body of work, like, why doesn't that still count? Because it it's that, a different team. Why it's a totally different still, team. Well, I guess, but why? the defense is playing as well as usual, okay? The offense, yes, they're struggling. But these are the same guys who put up 44 points, I guess, minus a pick six, Against Alabama, this is still Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, hit Travis Etienne. The offensive line has to play better. But as far as body of work, like that happened in 2019. That game
2: was in January. Oh man, I don't. I'm, I, Same that, with Alabama. I think that that is an antiquated way of looking at it. That is an old, crusty old AP voter way of looking at it. And I don't believe that's the way we should look at it if we're going to be evolved in our thinking. This is the 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 rankings and polls should be incredibly volatile over the first half of the season even now once we get back into you know game week eight nine ten then yeah you shouldn't have significant moves because at that point we should have a list that reflects uh, fairly accurately what we've seen to that point point. and then of course at you know things shouldn't change that dramatically but
3: okay you know, so, 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 so. Why Alabama? Why is Alabama your number two? Because they're my number two. Because I know what Alabama can do. I know what this team can do. But they're your number two. Yeah. Per your argument, why isn't like LSU higher or Georgia higher? Well, because I think Alabama. Again, you're looking. You're talking about a Clemson
2: team that wasn't all that impressive against Texas A&M and almost lost to North Carolina. I have Clemson what five? It's not like I think they're bad. And it's not. and and, and again, I I would have no problem if you're sitting here saying. Hey, they're the number five team in the country for me, but I still think they're going to win the national championship. That to me is what, what your list is. Mm-hmm. What you're saying by putting the Clinton one is look at what they did last year, trust them, they're gonna get better, they're gonna be this team. And, and the reality is, if we're doing polls it, based on what we're seeing, then we sh- that's, not, that's like the wrong way to approach it. So Alabama is, is your example. Alabama blew out Duke, Alabama blew out South Carolina, Alabama blew out Ole Miss. Like, great. Do, yeah. So they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. If Clemson had blown out North Carolina,
3: then I think you can sit here and, and defend kind of not looking that great against A&M. Clemson you can was up de- 20, 24 to 3 on A&M with nine seconds left. I, Alabama's I, defense is an issue. So is Clemson's offense. I just trust, look, I got Alabama at two. I trust these two teams. I've seen what they can do. Uh, yeah, and I, mean, I love so. Ohio State. I want to toss to Connor, too. Like the Ohio State lovers, they're playing as well as anyone right. in the country. So, that doesn't mean I think they're the number so one. You. So, their uh, best win is Nebraska.
2: So at this point, then, you're just saying, yeah, their best win is Nebraska, which is a very equivalent team to North Carolina. They went on the road and beat Nebraska by 41 points, and North Carolina nearly beat Clemson. And, again, I'm not saying that's some damn, damn damning sort of yeah. statement on who Clemson is, but I think if, if the polls are going to be accurate – like, let's just, like, let's live in this moment. Let's live in the season and not let this poll be basically a reflection of
4: 2018. So I think the argument for keeping Clemson number one is you come into the season with the assumption that this is a really good and talented team that just won the national championship. And what amount of evidence that there are things wrong do you need to see in order to start having them fall? So I guess a question I want to Put to Trey, is short of a loss, like what could you see from them in the next couple of weeks to think about moving them down?
3: No, I mean, I was, ex- I was extremely concerned about the North Carolina game. The offensive line had six false starts, they're not running the ball, and they're really not throwing it well either. But it's still, but, but no, they the still have the pieces. So, here's the thing they still, it's, it's, they, they are still the team.
2: There, there's a lot of people that believe that preseason polls are counterproductive. They create this perception of a team and you know people are just gonna give that team the benefit of the doubt throughout the season. And then as it gets to the important stuff like picking a playoff contender, then what's your preseason ranking sometimes becomes very prominent in that decision-making process. And, and I think that's a fair point. But my response to that would be, let's not get rid of the preseason polls. Because those I think are important in creating just sort of uh, storylines right. and us sort right. of marketing the game of college football and, and making it exciting to watch. What the, what needs to be adjusted is how people approach ranking teams during the season. You are taking an approach that I think is weighs way too heavily on you know what they did pr- prior. Again, my list is Ohio State one. They've blown out Nebraska on the road they've they've they this has been a team that's where well, they blew out indiana 52 blew, to 10 they, they blew
3: out cincinnati
2: they blew out cincinnati what? like those are three really good teams they've or three quality teams i'm gonna say really good they're three quality teams they've blown out alabama i think has done what they're supposed to do okay lsu they won on the road against texas and they've blown everybody out then you have georgia that, that beat a good notre dame team that's blown everyone out and then you have a clemson team who's They've won decisively. They deserve to be in the top five. And if you're going to put them four, no problem. If you're going to put them three, whatever, I guess I can live with it. But they're not. I think they're they're reminding me right now of Ohio State last year, like a team that everyone's sort of acknowledging, there's some flaws here. Let's see if they get it figured out. And, And we're just going to let them sort of hold serve just because they won it last year. I just think that that's the wrong way to approach evaluating a rankings process.
1: Look, I know there's a long way to go. We have a lot of football, but a lot of you guys have about three to four SEC teams in your top five. So, I think it's this a year that we're looking at that we're gonna probably have two teams from the same conference again. Oh
2: well, yeah. I I I actually think I don't know about a lock, but I feel pretty good right now about two SEC teams making it in. An
4: and who? Are, which ones?
2: I don't know which ones. One of the two or two uh, of the three. I mean, do you
4: feel do you feel good about? two teams being good enough to make it in or actually the things that need to happen in order for that to play out? I think happen. My, my reasoning for, for believing that two
2: SEC teams will make it in is that I think Oklahoma trips up somewhere in the Big 12. Now, that, the more this goes on, the more like the, the, the less confident I get in that one because I think Oklahoma is looking pretty
3: and good. I, and I think the, the middle pack of the Big 12 is also looking not as good as we expected. Iowa State and Baylor, eh, I do owe Con- Connor an apology later, and I'll get to that. Kansas State and Oklahoma State are kind of a wash. The SEC thing's interesting. I didn't realize until I'm kind of looking at it, Barton's the only one with Georgia in his top five. So is that something we need Barton to talk about or me and Connor to defend? Because they have a pretty good win. Yeah, but they have a great win. I left them out because I like Oklahoma more. I think Oklahoma's more dynamic and more explosive. I think we've seen enough from their defense to assume they've made strides. And I that yes, Georgia beat Notre Dame, but it wasn't the it wasn't the exclamation it wasn't. point I was expecting. It wasn't and I I'm gonna say this last thing and I, you know, kinda get Connor's take on not having Georgia and ask you about, you know, why you've got them four. I can't help but sort of judge them for what Justin Fields is doing in Columbus. Mm, like okay. I can't. I'm sort of thinking like they're they're just uh, uh, they're held back, or they're not being as dynamic or creative. And I, seeing him take off, I, look. I th- I still think Jake Fromm's great. I'm not saying Justin Fields should have been Georgia's starting quarterback last year, but I, I do think Georgia. It, it again speaks to the fact that they're probably too conservative in nature offensively, to beat an Alabama or an LSU.
4: So, yeah, I mean, I, I leave Georgia off and really, I mean, I thought about putting them in. I, I didn't have Clemson in my top five. There were moments where I thought about putting them one. I think it's partly just a testament to how many good teams there are at the top this year. But I, I guess kind of in the back of my mind with Georgia is, I feel like I feel with Alabama, Ohio state, LSU Oklahoma, I feel like those four for me, any one of those might be the best team in the country. I think Georgia might be a top four team, but at this point, based on what we've seen, I don't think they're the best team in the country. So that's kind of why I got them out. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I think Georgia is right there.
2: I mean, like they're always. I think that's going to be the, be the way they play throughout the year. Is they're going to beat teams, and they're not. They're just not built to beat teams in the same. Fashion that maybe Ohio State is, so I'm not going to hold that against them. Uh, but I'm also not going to put them number one. I'm going to let them earn that spot. Uh, and and I think that to your point, like the Justin Fields thing is just it almost just sort of feels weird. It just sort of sits weird. I get it, but ultimately that's Jake Fromm is still the type of quarterback they needed to operate that offense. If Justin Fields was playing right now in Georgia's offense, he would not be having near the success he's having.
3: I know. And so I guess yeah, I don't know who that's a. Who that's an indictment now, on. I'm not saying it's a indictment on in Jake Fromm. I'm yeah. saying it's a indictment on in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, but I want to make one more okay. point on, right, on,
2: on Ohio right. State. Because people in the comments are, are saying, like, Ohio State has played no one. I want to be, like, let's be clear here. Ohio State has played, according to S&P Plus, which is um, kind of a, what it comes Explain. Analytic, like an analytics-focused ranking that is kind of computer-generated, similarly RPI in basketball. Uh Cincinnati is ranked 38th. Indiana, which is on the road, ranked 29th. Nebraska, on the road, ranked 39th. That's three top 40 teams in S&P+. That's that's better than anyone on that uh, list with the exception of what LSU and, and Georgia have those signature wins. But as a whole, Ohio
3: State's played one of the tougher schedules among that top five. Should LSU be getting more credit from all of us because they've got the best signature win? They've got the talent profile of a national champion. They've got the offense of a national champion. They've got the Heisman Trophy contender.
2: See, I, I, the way I see it, like, I'm not going to give – like, you could make a case. Like, I would be – you have Clemson won. I would – I would. I feel like you can make a better case for having Auburn won than Clemson because of who Al, Auburn has beaten. If you want to go that route, I can –
3: The whole, I rock like, Reds May route? Yeah, like, yeah. I,
2: I can live with that. Like, I don't think that's the route – like I, I don't prefer going that route because I think, again, like LSU is a great example. Yeah, LSU beat Texas, and that's going to loom large down the road. But they also have given up a lot of points to Vanderbilt. Their you know, defense has not looked quite as dominant as, say, Ohio State's. And all that's going to come out in the wash down the road as they do play a better <coughs> team. So that, that, that Texas win in going anywhere. We can, we can table that, like file it away, mm-hmm. and, and, and factor that in more heavily down the road. But right now, I'd rather rank a team high like Ohio State that
4: just has shown no flaws. Uh, just want to dip into the comments real quick. Mike Haig says Alabama's blowouts are all against unranked teams too. So if we want to use that against Ohio State, maybe we should apply it evenly. No, and I think
2: that's why like, if I don't have a problem with Alabama being one either because – that, like Duke's pretty good um it's it's the more the season progresses the better that win looks South Carolina just rolled over Josh's boys last week I mean hey maybe South Carolina that, not that bad that's enough <laughs> <laughs> you know,
3: we won't we we get into that any deeper I mean people are concerned uh, about Alabama's defense but look I I'm they're not gonna buying s- it. They're, huh I'm not buying that well they're gonna score points on anybody
2: yeah I mean this is gonna be a this is going to be a, like once we get to the big games, this is gonna end up this like this year is gonna get really fun really quick. I think Because of the way these teams play. Look,
3: I'll sum up like my I, I trust Alabama's defense to get it figured out. And, and you while it's, what Clemson and did what, last Paul, year in the National. No, activity. listen, I trust Alabama's defense to get it figured out while its offense takes care of business until then. And the other way around for Clemson, I trust their defense, which has actually played really well. And if you watch the North Carolina game, those North Carolina touchdowns are wild and Clemson's defense is like making a habit of goal line stands and pressure situations, I think they can hold down the fort, especially in the ACC schedule, while the offense figures it out. So, yeah, maybe this is a, an in-good-faith uh, ranking by me, and maybe I look pretty smart in November. Uh, <laughs> I
2: mean, okay.
3: But I, the, the, all right, I'll stop. Uh, but the ranking
2: uh, should not be a prediction. Well, shouldn't
3: be a prediction. You know, this should you be a reflection. You didn't invent the concept of rankings. I, I get to you know, I, take them. In I, my I'm, own. I'm trying to take it back, though. I'm trying to yeah. take rankings. You are back. getting very progressive this
2: year.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Hey, that's. Uh, You've kind of had an awakening. It's the year 2000. You're very right? woke. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, to like Trey's point, hasn't the, co- it, hasn't the committee looked at teams before that were they thought were better, like or should be better than teams ahead of them in the rankings and put them in the playoff? Didn't that happen in what 2014?
3: The TCU Ohio yeah State. yeah yeah. I mean, yeah yeah like TCU had no business getting left out of the playoff. They just smoked Iowa State, and then Ohio State jumps them. It's a good call. It's a good call. I don't know. I think even if Clemson had lost that game in North Carolina, I'd still feel pretty good about them in the playoff. Seriously, seriously. I mean, see, that that's a whole different discussion. It but is. I think that
2: the I think Clemson. And I've I've heard people say that they think that Clemson can lose a game and still get in the playoffs this year. I would argue the opposite. I think that because Oklahoma looks better than we thought, LSU looks better than we thought, Ohio State looks better than we thought, and maybe maybe even like Wisconsin or Penn State Mm -hmm. is better than we thought, I just think there's more quality candidates where we don't have to sort of back in someone that maybe not everyone believes in. Similar to Notre Dame last year, uh, I think there's real – Like, there's too much beef at the top of the list this year to let in a team, especially a Clemson team that's not looked as sharp as we expected early in the year, uh, to let them in with one loss. But we'll see.
1: One more question, and we'll move on. So, with Oregon, the way that they looked against Auburn, and now is the Pac-12 out? Yes. I mean, is Oregon out?
3: I'm convinced the Pac-12's out. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably out. Yeah, they're out. There's too many other good teams.
2: Same same argument I just talked about, again, with – with, with the national title contenders, like the six to eight. Even like, Notre Dame. Yeah, even Notre I Dame. I think we'll get
3: a nod over Oregon. <clears throat> Agreed. Seriously. Yeah.
1: Okay, so let's move on to a little hot seat discussion. Rutgers made a big move over the weekend. Let's check it out.
5: Rutgers has a job opening but who can save the Scarlet Knights? The once-proud program, which played in the first college football game ever, was relevant as recently as the mid-2000s when they peaked at number seven in the AP Top 25, won five bowl games in a six-year stretch, and produced future Super Bowl champions in Ray Rice and the McCordy Twins. But since the departure of Greg Schiano in 2012 and the move to the Big Ten in 2014, it's been a nightmare in North Jersey. Rutgers has basically become the doormat of the Big Ten East. They have to play the likes of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan every year. The Scarlet Knights are an unprecedented 7-38 and in conference play, and Chris Ash had them careening towards their fifth straight losing season before being fired on Sunday. One of the biggest reasons why Rutgers loses to its opponents by an average of two touchdowns per game is because of its inability to recruit in-state. New Jersey has produced 50 four- and five-star prospects over the past six recruiting cycles, but of those 50, Rutgers has kept just three. By comparison, the other Big Ten teams have come in and taken 29. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Ash's replacement will inherit a 2020 class that currently ranks 89th nationally, trailing teams like Rice, Troy, and UMass. While the swirling rumors of a possible Shiano return has Rutgers dreaming of the glory days, the reality may be they've passed you by.
3: So it's super weird that I think we all sort of grew up in a time that Rutgers was relevant. I know at different ages, but that video... I mean, Rutgers what, was it was a relevant national program.
2: The kicker pointing at the sky cam was such an iconic Rutgers moment. Jeremy yeah. that was
3: awesome. And So now, now they're dead in the water. Let's quickly spin, like... A minute or so on the the two guys, um, and then we're going to move into the rest of the hot seat talk because Rutgers was the first to pull the trigger, and, and I'm excited to see who's next. But could, could anyone fix Rutgers? Can Greg Schiano fix Rutgers? Can Butch Jones fix Rutgers?
2: Uh, I'm not I'm not sure I'm super confident Butch Jones can fix Rutgers, but I, I think Greg Schiano he's done it before. He clearly has an appetite to try to do it again. The question for me is, and I don't know the internal workings of Rutgers and their administration, university, uh, but do they have the commitment there to to, to give the resources that Greg Sciano needs, the support that Greg Sciano needs, or whoever the next coach would need to be successful? I think if Greg Sciano got support from the administration uh, and they really prioritized football, they, this team could be good again. And and I think Greg Ciano, it would – would prove a lot of people wrong that doubted him, who have doubted him over the last few years. Uh, that said, I don't. I mean, Greg Schiano would be certainly, I think, a, a really good hire. Butch Jones, I'm a little bit more Meh on, but like a Lance Leopold type of hire. head goes to Buffalo. I think that would be the type of guy that would work at Rutgers too. Bottom line is, you got to be able to recruit there, and if you can recruit the state and win the state. I think Rutgers has upside. I really do. I mean, I think it, it, it's, it's similar to Maryland in that, you know, put a fence around the DMV area, and I know you're not going to get everybody, but right. get most of them, and, and that's a pretty good recipe. I think the same can be said for, for Rutgers. That's a talented
3: high school football state. Nationally, it just seems like the recruiting powers are starting to sort of entrench their way out and kind of hit the DMV and New Jersey. So Rutgers pulled the trigger. Who's next as far as maybe a midseason hot seat? Maybe you know someone gets fired in December. I think you have to start with Charlie Strong at USF. Charlie Strong walked into a very winnable situation after Willie Taggart had gone, and he's last year they started seven and zero. It was a that was a fraudulent seven and zero though, and and it's been proved and that's been proven to be true. They've won one game since last like mid October. They're 1-3 right now, and his buyout, because of a weird contract clause with Texas paying a lot of his buyout, is only $200,000. I think, personally, it's only a matter of time before Charlie Strong gets canned. I think it's sad. Uh, I like him, you know, as a former Texas coach, but he's just not... A, what, you know, what's happened to him? No
2: he idea. He was rolling
3: No Louisville. idea.
2: Maybe he just caught the Teddy Bridgewater wave and just got, you know, kind of hit it right at Louisville because... Um, yeah, this is a couple – I mean, the, South Florida is a place you should be able to win. Yeah. And, and, I mean, look, they did win, but it, a lot of that was remnant success that has since tailed off. I mean – It was absolutely Willie Taggart. South success. Florida is getting worse by the year, by the week, by the game, and that's, I think, the troubling thing. And if that's, that's where you look at South Florida and you're like, what's – you know, where does this turn around? I mean, it, it just keeps on get, sinking lower. Um, now they're going up to UConn this weekend as an 11-point favorite – if they cover that one, it feels like that's going to be the first time they've covered in like two years. If they lose
3: that game, I bet he's gone by Sunday. Uh, Justin, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. His seat is in Fuego. I, just, I like that. In Fuente, En Fuego. Yeah, yeah good that's one. a little Spanish spice by me. <laughs> uh, I did grow up in Texas. $12.5 million after some point in December. That's just probably too much, right, guys? It's a lot. Because they're, you want to talk about getting worse by the week. Yeah, there's, they be Old Dominion and Furman. They
1: looked horrible the other
3: night. I, it was awful. They looked so oh, bad. Oh, like on Friday night when yeah. we thought oh, we were going to get some good Friday night. Yeah. Awful. Tuttle, yeah. Tuttle,
2: yeah. A team also looked like the – I mean, part of the problem is obviously the, the win-loss record, but how they've looked, You know how they've lost, how they've won. Uh, you mentioned Furman, Old Dominion. I mean, Old Dominion, they're lucky not to have lost that game. And Furman, FCS program was – was winning that game through most of the yeah. game, like and, that, yeah. and it wasn't a, it, and it wasn't even like a talented-looking FCS team. They just were out. They were just beating uh, Virginia Tech. And so I think when you when you look at some of the reporting that's been done around that program, the the locker room culture mm-hmm. was horrific. It still must be pretty bad. But at this point, I don't know that you can blame it on the players you inherited. Like you should have been able to instill your culture by now. What are we on? Is this year four? This
3: is year four. The only this... time they were – I mean, it's gone down every year when he had Frank Beamer's players. Yeah. Uh, Frank Beamer left the, left the cupboard pretty full. This, I know we, can, we say this about so many mid-market teams, but college football is better when Virginia Tech is good. And I know they can't all be good at the same time because that's just not how the, you know, the, the college football ecosystem works. But this is disappointing. I'd like to see them uh, get a little bit better. Clay Helton, guys, do we think anything's happening here before – after the season, we don't know the buyout because it's a private school. It was rumored to be 15 million last year, so it's probably significantly less. They don't even have an AD. Dang. But
2: I mean, we talked about this a little bit. It feels like this is there's no there's no reason to rush this. Yeah, I think Clay Helton. Uh, you know, are they going to finish 10 and two? Doubtful. Right. Um, and so, if you're ready to move on, you, you probably have grounds to go ahead and move on if they finish eight and four um and that looks you know this team probably is about an eight and four team they're probably you know maybe they're seven and five I doubt they get down to that six and six world it, it, I think this team's better than that but I also doubt that they, they they went out as well so I think that whatever the new athletic director and they're in the midst of, of of finding a new one right now you know whenever that decision comes I think he can do what he wants and because of that I don't think that this you know they need to find a decision maker they they've they've got the grounds for to make a move based on what happened last year like they can do this, they can take their time in making a decision here.
3: Last year, we made conference <laughs> predictions preseason, and in the Big Ten, I had put Lovey Smith on my hot seat. It was clearly a year too soon, and you, you told me that then. They were committed to him. You got to think that commitment's starting to waver. Yeah, I would
2: think so. I mean, I, I think there's still... I, I can there, still see a scenario where, where this team turns things around. You know, I, I could still see a... Like, there's some wins... Yeah, on that Illinois schedule left, if if they show improvement now, if they don't get them,
3: then I think that that's the. I mean, that's that's your uh, litmus test. They're like, not recruiting well. When we were putting that Rutgers video together, they're like 89th in recruiting. I know they're restocking with the transfer.
2: Yeah, it's portal, funny, like because weird. They actually had a decent recruiting class last year um, for some reason, and and they certainly had a, a lot of success in the transfer portal. Uh, but but this is a team that. You know, now that they have a quarterback, like they they've got, the, and and frankly, like Olawale Bedeku, who's one of yeah. the, like most productive sack, you know, tackle for a guys, lost guys in the country, like he's got another eligibility after this, <clears throat> so he could even come back. Like there's some foundation for for future success, but you look at their schedule, you know, Purdue looks very winnable, mm-hmm. Rutgers looks obviously very winnable. So there's, I think there's two that you, you have to have, and then you know, can they beat Minnesota this weekend? Can they beat Northwestern? Like Six wins is not out of the realm. Illinois of Illinois should take
3: six wins. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I think it, you know, and if it if it just
1: land on four, I don't know. It's hard to hard to argue this is going to get much better. All right, I want to move on to I guess the topic of the week. Uh, California passed a bill and it was signed this week by the governor. Uh, now athletes can profit for their likeness. Uh, other states are starting to look into this. Florida, I think, is what they either signed it or are about to sign it. They're I think to Fifteen it, yeah. other states are looking into it now. So. This is bad news for the NCAA. Good. Yes, I agree, but I just don't. Care. Just bring back college football, NCAA football. That's all I That's all care about. That's all you care about. That's all I care about. Yeah. But I'm happy I care there. about the athletes. I'm happy about. I them. care I'm about ha- the student athletes. I'm happy for the players as well. I Good want to
4: question them. the premise that this is bad news for the NCAA because given that this is where things are moving, this honestly seems like such a cleaner way to do it. Like a couple of years ago, we were talking about how do you figure out how much the school should pay the football player compared to the lacrosse player? And this is all just independently market determined. The school doesn't really have to be involved in determining who gets paid what. They're just there to kind of be a regulator.
3: That's an interesting point. But the NCAA is surely not enjoying this right. you know, PR uh-
2: the, yeah, the problem Hurdle. here is the NCAA is just digging their heels in, yeah. and they're acting like they can they can fight this and they can push back, and and this is coming. I mean, like it or not, if you're the NCAA, this is coming, and it's going to either like tear the tear, tear the NCAA apart, <clears throat> or you can uh, adapt. Uh, and and I think what's what's disappointing is the inevitability of this grows by the by the week. If the NCAA would just say, we understand, you know, the California is passing this this bill, several other states are going to follow. We are going to start working um, with schools, yeah. with 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 the committees, uh, and and figure out solutions to regulating this and 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 creating a, a structure that this works within. And so, like, just do it. Like, just get on board, and let's figure out how these things can work. Um, and I think that it's important because I, I I don't know how much people follow this, but like this is important to note. And Connor, you 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 pointed at this. This is not a bill that calls on colleges to pay players. That's not what this is. All this is is allows kids to profit off their likeness. Basically, accept money outside of the university as the market deems fit. You know, you can you know sign an endorsement deal for. Uh, car dealership. You can, you know, accept a free lunch from the local sub shop because they liked you on your game on Saturday. Like these are things that I think are no brainers. And yes, it creates a new reality. That's hard for people to get past and hard for people to conceptualize like, Oh, like this guy, this guy's gonna be driving a Cadillac and all he's doing is playing football. And he's going to, like, huh? whatever, an Escalade. Cadillac?
1: An Escalade. What are you like, my grandfather? Uh, or Escalade's not, like, hot anymore? But... Oh, oh, an Escalade, sure. But I, thought, oh. like, I was just talking about, like, whatever. Cat-
2: and like, the point being is, like, I think people have a hard time conceptualizing that these guys could get, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars if they wanted to. And, and that's somehow a bad thing. And that's, it's just not. Like, that's not a bad thing for a kid, for the market to deem a kid worth whatever.
3: I'm a big fan of this, by the way. I, I'm just going to be, like, a I'm gonna point out two interests, like two holes I kind of see. Yeah. So when I was a student, a student newspaper reporter back in the day, I did a story. Texas had a quarterback named Garrett Gilbert, who was a former five star, ended up being a, a massive bust. But they sold Gil- Gilbert's number seven jersey at the university co-op, and by the time he got benched in week three, they couldn't give these things away. They were slashed in prices, fifty percent off. I did a story. All you know, the athletic department got very upset that I would embarrass Gilbert like this, but. Like, five locations across the city of Austin, we're just stuck with number seven jerseys. What happens then? That's interesting. Another thing here, and again, I'm a big fan of, I want students to receive compensation for if they can. Like, uh, the likenesses is great. I want the video game to come back. Sure, selfishly. These kids are extremely busy, though. And I, look, Barton, every Santa, every year, every winter, we, we have the luxury of spending New Year's in San Antonio at the Army All-American Bowl, or the All-American Bowl now. And these kids, they're 17, they're 18. They need literally six handlers to walk them through an hour-long station to make sure they get checked in, get their pads, get weighed in, talk to us, and take photos. So now you're telling Najee Harris he's gotta wake up you know, and, and be at the Alabaster Mercedes dealership in 45 minutes for his paid appearance. Who's going to help these
1: guys manage all this? I don't know. For this? ten grand, I bet they. Who's
3: going to help all these kids uh, manage this? No, guys? Here, yeah. Okay. So
2: here, a couple of things. First of all, the the first point on the Garrett Gilbert jersey, I think it's a fair point. But look, that happens in the NFL all the time. And then they 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 have you know flash sales to give away these jerseys or whatever. Yeah. And you know that that's going to be a decision that that business has to make. In all right, are we going to expose ourselves to marketing like this one jersey? Or are we just going to market like <coughs> the? 20 jersey for the season 2020 like uh, you know okay just like i'll the tell basic you right now no one's buying that exactly no? okay. that's my point point. Okay. and so like that's just hey that's 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 part that's what you have to deal with in in any business like uh yeah. shops that sell nfl jersey deal with the same thing with players get traded the the second point i think is is very fair and i think that makes that that's that's going to be something that teams have to figure out maybe they have to hire someone to help manage these kids um but again, like this is just if, if kids can't get their academics done, if that's just like an obstacle that they can't overcome, um, these are all things that will then we'll see adjustments. Like we'll see kids, you know, you know maybe, maybe like that's a real uh, like, like balancing act that we have to manage through is like, all right, can you keep kids eligible? Can you keep them uh, focused on the task at hand with all these sponsorship deals? And I think the other thing that's important, too. There's a lot of people saying like like I just look in the comments and there's there's people throwing all the you know bullet points out there. Right. It's bad for sco- for schools that don't have the big boosters. It's already bad They're already for schools not that don't have big boosters. Out like, recruit you going yeah, yeah, like I mean, Tulane's not going to out recruit LSU as is. Um, it, you know, maybe maybe some Tulane booster decides to set up a, a outstanding name and likeness uh, program that creates a lot of revenue for players, and suddenly Tulane could be uh, a team that's that can compete. Um, you know, how how many people other than the few skilled players are going to make anything? Great point. Not many. I think that's the that's the, probably the biggest point in this is very few ple- people will actually move the needle to the point where they make significant money off of this deal, and so most guys would be like me in college, who hey, I can like. Again, I can get a free sandwich, and and not you know technically be ke- becoming an NCA violation or maybe all you I do can, is I tweet headed
3: to Jimmy John's.
2: Or I can put my I can put my signed jersey on eBay and catch a little extra scratch for it. Yeah. Like that's that's the extent of what most people will, will will actually be able to make on it. It just cuts out this sort of red tape nonsense and, and allows guys to just sort of you know live a, a, a real existence that most other students can live.
4: Uh and, and, and not be scared of being ineligible. And and the people who have a lot of money that they want to spend to, you know, make their favorite football program better are doing that through booster donations for facilities and, you know, whatever under the table payments are going on. It's just is there a more direct and efficient way that we can make this I think it's probably better for the student athlete if they have money that they need to buy groceries, support their family, whatever, than having you know a slide at the uh, football facility.
2: Well, and I think this is another point here. Like, let's say boosters decide that uh, you know what, like, I'm just going to start paying guys, promising them these contracts, get them to come to school, and uh, let's just say, I think this is going to happen almost n- not ever, but like, let's just say for the sake of argument, hey. Jimmy, I'm going to give you a million dollars to be to, to to sponsor my car dealership if you come to school here. Kid gets a million bucks, sponsors the car dealership, kid ends up being a trash player. Mm-hmm. Kid's up getting in trouble off the field. Kid's not very good, transfers out. That's a million bucks down the drain. You think that guy's going to be jumping to to pay to shell out cash to the next 17-year-old so-called next big thing? They might find that the better return on investment is to just go back to giving it to the athletic department and letting them build out the facilities, letting them name a building after them, whatever, as opposed to, to, to playing in a, a much more volatile game of literally paying recruits. I think you'll see probably more systematic, like uh, just jobs being handed out to recruits that maybe uh, are, are a little, you know, the pay is a little bit better than... Uh, the market value, just as a as sort of almost like a reward, a carrot for playing for for big state U, but I I, I think the idea that boosters are just going to start shelling out money to players is is doesn't take into account that that is a little bit of a shaky investments. Mm. when you're just I mean boosters are typically pretty smart financially like they're they're boosters for a reason they've done well with money. They're not just going to, like, give away a bunch of money to a bunch of high school kids.
1: I just think we're the, they're going to make their most money, like, say, Tua on a bye week going to Bojangles with a, a the big event. I mean, he could make, a mo- like, $5 an autograph or something, like $10 an autograph. How much is he going to make? Yeah. A ton. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's where they're going to get a, a, a ton of their money from.
2: And I, and I, I saw, a, like, Dan Wetzel did a nice story where he sort of explored some of the possibilities where this could go. Like, one was, uh, you know, the, the backup kicker you know creates a GoFundMe account if he someone gets hurt rolls in kicks a field goal hey uh to to win the game hey guys help me out you know like any any old just sort of sidewalk fan can just throw 10 bucks at him and that could get up that could get a pretty big number pretty quick and who's like who's who loses there you know who loses if uh some kid gets a hundred thousand dollars for making a big shot uh based on just a bunch of fans being fired up about it like I'm good with it. Like we're all enjoying watching them play. You know, I've got a job because all these guys are playing college football. You know, you've got something to do on a Saturday afternoon because these guys are playing football. So I, I don't. I don't see the
1: the you know who the loser is in this one. All right. So before we move to questions, our buddy Kevin Boiler has a show on Monday called Roll Call. He takes your phone uh, phone calls, questions, and stuff like that. He actually gave us an interesting voicemail from Ed in Orlando. We're going to play that and answer it for you right now.
6: This is Ed from Orlando. I want to talk about the Florida Gators dropping from number 9 to number 10 in the AP poll.
1: You take it. Well, alright, so the question was... I got it. Okay, alright.
3: Should the Florida Gators have dropped from number 9 to 10 in the AP poll? Yeah, oh. I don't care. So, okay. No, no, no! Yes, they should have. They're not any good. All right, but but, but that, like, this is this this contradicts no, the no, same no, argument no, you make no, with Clemson. No. What
1: your Twitter mentions are about open. I mean, they're not that. They're, they're good. They're undefeated. <laughs> no, like,
2: <laughs> this contradicts your Clemson argument, though. How? Tell me how it doesn't.
3: Because I didn't see Florida with Kyle Trask last year win the national championship. Did you
2: see Florida blow out Michigan in the in whatever bowl that was yeah, last year? Yeah, with Felipe
3: year? Franks. Did you see Felipe Franks and Florida struggle in week zero against a bad Miami team? Should have lost to a Kentucky team with a backup quarterback. I'm not here for your Florida is good takes. We talked about this in week one when we said, how come we're judging uh, Felipe Franks, but we're not judging about Trevor Lawrence? And I was like, well, Trevor Lawrence won the national championship. I'm fine with Florida dropping. Fine with it. And I if, think they were very overrated. They were very overrated at number
2: nine. See, I also think Florida's overrated. And in fact, when I turn in my, I do a weekly top 50 that I turn in CBS every week, and, and I think I have Florida like 16th or something. Like, they I don't think they're that. I think they're good. I don't think they're a top 10 team. Um, but I also think that you know, if you're going to argue Clemson should be number one, then Florida's five and 0. Oh. They haven't lost yet. They're a top 10 preseason. They should probably still be top 10 preseason if right now. If you're living. But they lost their
3: starting quarterback.
1: Connor, how are we looking on
3: questions?
4: Uh, yeah, we've got some questions. Uh, Travis wants to know, uh, does this scandal put Jeremy Pruitt on the hot seat? And in case um, you uh, – ca- can I catch you up on that? Jeremy Pruitt, uh, there was a body cam from a, a UTPD officer released. Uh, Jeremy Banks, Florida linebacker. I'm sorry, Tennessee linebacker, is being detained, calls Pruitt, and this call is happening on speakerphone, and Pruitt appears to have been woken up and is kind of confused, and at one point says he's never had to deal with this crap at the four other places he's coached. And so, and then Banks is not suspended, uh, despite being kind of hostile towards the police officers in this video. So, I guess people are... Of criticizing Pruitt right now. So, Wes
3: Rucker said last week on the boiling point with Kevin Boyler that it would take an off field scandal for Jeremy Pruitt to lose his job as Tennessee careens toward a three and nine season. This was narrowly avoided. I think Tennessee did a nice job PR wise yesterday of uh, preparing Jeremy Pruitt, who's not great with the media, for his teleconference call on, S- on the SEC, or maybe this was two days ago, lost track. He said, You know what? I appreciate the officers. Told a good story about explaining it. But this, this was close. This was close to blowing up in his face. Th- this, you know, this is a boring
2: season if we're going to call this a scandal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I-, I think this is.
3: Uh, this I'm, is just football. This
2: is football. This is SEC football. Um, you know? Hey, you know, what's is funny
3: <laughs> is the, the I, Tennessee fans are like, God, this is no big deal. But the other, the other fans are like, how, you know. They disrespected the police. I mean, it was a bad look. Like, it doesn't.
2: It's a bad look for Jeremy Banks. It's a bad. I mean, it's. And it, but like, I don't necessarily think it's a bad look for Jeremy Pruitt because, I mean, he literally it's three thirty in the morning. He's trying to figure out what's going on. The kid didn't do anything to get arrested, but he had a warrant out from his, for his arrest because he didn't appear in right. court. And so I think Jeremy Pruitt is just thinking like, what's going on here? I mean, the kid didn't even do anything. You're gonna take him in in handcuffs. Like, what's what, like? So I think the whole situation. Is is not one to to wring your hands about too much. Um, in fact, I don't even think this is like a a red mark. Like I'm not I'm not ready to throw this in the uh, in the negative column for Jerry Pruitt. It was a, it was a late night. He was, he was a little groggy, trying to figure out what was going on.
4: If you haven't actually watched the video, I would encourage you to seek it out because I think you can kind of pull some of the things he says out of context and kind of make this look bad. And I've seen some media outlets do that, but. In, in the context, it genuinely seems like he's trying to figure out what's going on and is trying to act in the best interest of, of the kid, whether he deserves it or not based yeah. on the way he's yeah. acted. Isn't yeah, if, like
2: yeah, it? The only, yeah the, if, if you want to put Jeremy Banks on the hot seat, then that's fine. But uh, fine Jeremy Pruitt's okay.
4: What else you got? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Zach wants to know if you guys are concerned about your Huskers, your Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> so are they 3-2? and two? Yeah. Are they 3-2? and two? You know, I, I've had some people tell me that we're
3: like the only reason that Nebraska got preseason high. And I appreciated that compliment. <laughs> I don't think we have that much influence. Yes, we love Scott Frost. I look forward to talking to him in December on the early signing day show. I'm slightly concerned.
2: Slightly uh, concerned. I think, um, I think this is, this is my, my measuring stick this weekend on whether or not I need to be concerned.
3: Northwestern.
2: If, if, they, if they lose to the Northwestern, and even if – I'm just even going to say if it's, a, if it's a sloppy four-quarter game that they barely survive, then I'm concerned. But it's also about, like, concerned relative to what? Relative to the preseason expectations, they're going to win the Big Ten West. Like, I actually never had those expectations. I thought that they could be second
3: or third. I never thought they would win it. Uh, I think I predicted them third. I remember on, a, like, a nice July day, though, when we did Barnum Picks, you had them at one point. Knocking off the Ohio State. Did I? They haven't met our expectations. This is very clear, but you know we're gonna we're gonna give them some more time. We're gonna give them some more time. Yeah. No doubt.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, look, this is not this is a, this is not an impressive
3: team. But I think when we talk about where they
2: were, like the next step forward is like a seven and five year. That's still very much in play.
4: Wow. Uh, next question uh, comes from Morgan, who thinks. Uh, With so many good teams this year, are we going to end up spending a lot of time talking about whether the playoff should be expanded?
3: Always. Probably. Always. Definitely. I mean, look, you're going to have one SEC team at least be really PO'd. You're going to have a mad Notre Dame team. You're going to have a mad Pac-12 commissioner again. You might have a mad Big 12 team. What if you have a one-loss Wisconsin, or two? I guess Wisconsin plays Ohio State. There's going to be a lot of upset teams here. December is going to be ugly. I think this, this is
2: shaping up to me to be maybe that year that starts to get the ball moving towards an expanded pit layoff because there's going to be someone or two, maybe three teams left out that look capable of winning it. I think this will be, and we got a long way to go, this, I could be proven wrong here, but I think this will be the first year where the potential national title winner mm. is left out. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I guess you could call it 2014 or no, the yeah, TCU year. Like yeah. that's, I guess you could maybe point to that year, but I just think, given how good some of these teams look, it's going to be it's going to be a tough pill to swallow to be watching from the sideline.
3: I guess I'll, I'll, my final point is this: in our top fives, the defending national champion is fifth for you and not in Connor's top five. If you want to talk about the, qual- the yeah. of quality teams,
4: yeah. Uh, Curtis Hobson wants to know why does LSU get so much more credit for beating Texas by seven than UGA does for beating Notre Dame by six?
2: On the road versus at home, I think, and, and not only Plus, that, Texas is better than Notre Dame. And, uh, yeah, I think probably people view Texas as uh, a more talented team than Notre yes, Dame. I don't know that they. I don't know that that's true though. I think, uh, Notre, yeah. but I think when Notre Dame, I think <clears throat> people viewed it that way going into the game, and I think with the way Notre Dame played, changed the way a lot of people viewed Notre Dame, or uh, Notre Dame. I think the big difference is a home game point. at night. A home game at night uh, on the road for Notre Dame versus a home game at night at home for Texas.
3: Give me Notre Dame on a neutral field. I have a lot of frustration to take out on Notre Dame fans. Oh, don't you get me going? I don't want to have a boiling point. I don't want to have a boiling point because that'll get me going. So, oh, okay. I'm, Okay. Do you- Texas, there's no question. It's oh. way more talented oh. than Notre Dame. Oh. 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 No, 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 I, not today. I'm, I, not today.
2: Give me a neutral, give me a I would love, God, I would love that. Oh. Give me a neutral neutral site. Give me, not give me, today. No, give me Notre oh, Dame. Oh, God. Notre Dame. I'm Connor, red.
1: Connor, any more questions?
4: Yeah. Um Michael Neville says, uh Willie Taggart, if that guy's on the hot seat, I don't know who is. FSU is a top 10 talent team. From a recruiting standpoint, um, yeah, so that's the question. I, I think,
2: look, if you look around these year two coaches, whether it's Jeremy Pruitt, Chip Kelly, Chad Morris, uh, who, there's a bunch of them that aren't really getting it rolling. I think if you look around the country, like there's reason to believe Florida State is starting to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, they just handled NC State. I mean, they, they still have talent. I, I'm –
4: Willie Taggart may have
2: have found a little something,
4: a little lane here. Yeah, two nice wins over Louisville and NC State. Got a bye, then Clemson, but then Wake, Syracuse, Miami, B.C., Alabama State. So That's not a bad run-in before uh, Florida in the final week of the season. Um, Let's see. uh, Let's find another one here. Uh, Is Dabo doing to the ACC what Coach Saban did in the SEC? Uh, This is from Michael Neville also, uh, meaning they're – Ability to build a program causes mass coaching carousel inside their own conference.
2: Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to compare that because because I mean, I think Nick Saban like took down monsters, and Florida State. I guess you can point to Florida State as a monster that mm-hmm. Clemson has sort of dethroned and, and and crippled. But aside from that, I'm not I'm not going to put Miami on Clemson. That's that. I'm up with Miami on Miami. And aside from that, like, this is just a conference that I think is, has itself to blame
3: for sort of slipping. Um, I so, I mean, it's a fair question. They, that I, I'm not there yet. They've made a lot of coaching hires the last few off seasons that really quite, ha- quite frankly haven't panned out.
1: Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, we'll get to some more questions and comments later in the show. Uh, Kevin Boiler talks to Brandon Marcello in this week's Boiling Point.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to Boiling Point, where we put our experts to the test by asking them a few pointed questions. The Auburn Tigers are a perfect 5-0 on the season, with a pair of wins against ranked opponents. With me today to discuss their SEC chances is Brandon Marcello of Auburn Undercover on 24-7 Sports. Brandon, a lot of people are pointing to LSU as the SEC West team with the best chance to knock off Alabama this season, but so far, Auburn has been right there with them. Has Auburn been overlooked as a true contender to win the SEC?
6: I think a little bit, but I also think a lot of experts are just looking at the road ahead for Auburn and thinking, well, there's one or two losses at least there. They still have four top 10 opponents, including this week at Florida. So everybody's kind of assuming and projecting things. Auburn also has to go to LSU, where LSU has not lost to Auburn since 1999. Having said that, Alabama's defense and LSU's defense have shown some cracks. They've allowed a lot of points. Auburn's defense, not so much. So I think the thing that might be overlooked here is that maybe Auburn has a better defense than the two top contenders in the West and Alabama and LSU. And I don't think a lot of people would have said that going into the year. And because of that, I think Auburn should be taken Uh, as an SEC contender because they have a contender defense and the offense continues to grow.
0: You can point to the strength of that defense, Brandon, but the advantage teams like Alabama, LSU, and even Georgia in the East have over Auburn is experience at the quarterback position. Does Bo Nix have what it takes to lift this team to the top of the SEC as a true freshman?
6: It'll be difficult, certainly. He's got a tough road ahead of him. But I think what was great for him is he was thrown in the fire immediately in the season opener against Oregon, led a tremendous comeback, and, of course, through that 26-yard game-winning touchdown pass against the Ducks that a lot of Auburn fans will remember for a while. And he's gotten better game-to-game since then. And this past week against Mississippi State, he was the first quarterback in Auburn history since Cam Newton in 2010 in the SEC championship game to throw for 300 yards and run for 50. And that's what's really got this offense going a little bit is Bo Nix running the football. That wasn't really something they were doing the first two to three games. He's running more zone read. It's opened up the offense a little bit, and it's taken some pressure off of Bo Nix, even though he's touching the ball more and having to run it a little bit because things are opening up a little bit more in the passing game as he runs the ball a little bit more.
0: Brandon, thank you so much for stopping by. Number seven, Auburn, will be put to the test in Gainesville this weekend with a game against number 10, Florida, on Saturday. For the latest on that matchup and more, follow Brandon on Twitter and read his work over at Auburn Undercover on 24-7 Sports.
6: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: All right, thanks, fellas. So, guys, let me ask you this. Is this Auburn defense good enough to win the West, good enough to maybe win the SEC, and even go further?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, the Auburn defense is absolutely good enough. I think the question is, is it good enough to carry the, the offense, right? Is that kind of where you're getting at? Yeah. And, and I think the thing that gives me some optimism with this Auburn team, when you look at Gus Malzahn teams, there's four factors at play offensively that have to be there for them to have success a mobile quarterback, a deep threat that's a play-action post-guide that they can throw it to down the field, a downfield north-south running back, and an east-west mm-hmm. running threat. All right? They've got those four things. I think the deep threat can be kind of interchangeable. I think Booby Whitlow is sort of good enough as your, as your kind of workhorse back. The two keys to this are that Bo Nix – is that athletic quarterback? He's shown that he's improving and progressing week by week, and he, he gives you everything you want to do offensively. But I think the, big, the other big um, part of this is Anthony Schwartz as that horizontal run threat. And even though they may just hand it to him once or twice a game, I really think that opens up a lot for what this offense can do. So I, I'm, I don't know that I'm there yet to answer your question like that they can win the SEC. But I'm warming up to it every week, and I, and I really think that defense is, is special. And I think that that sort of four-pronged Gus Malzahn system has not there's – been, there's been a piece or two missing each of the last few years. This year I think all four pieces are there, which is encouraging for an Auburn
3: fan. Good for them using Anthony Schwartz, the fastest man in football, a broken hand in the preseason I believe. Hasn't really been able to catch, but they're finding ways to get on the ball. So connor has got him in his top five. We're going to find out this weekend. Uh, it's my turn to segue. This is my favorite segment of the show every single week. This is Josh's Big Bet, where our uh, World Series of Poker star, who returned to Nashville with $22,000 to his name. the guy. Puts $22,000 every week on the line. I'm going to give you an envelope of a line. You haven't seen this yet. You are our SCC guy. we got a lot of things to figure out.
1: Short stacked again. So Well... Yeah, I'm actually, this would be now, I would be getting staked. Oh, we're staking yeah. you. Yes. We're staking so, you
3: 22. Yes. Josh yeah, is clearly go. in the red. Uh, Josh, when you open that envelope and read out the bet, you have 15 seconds to deliberate and declare your pick. Ready? So let's get it going. Open that puppy up. You're kind of an SEC East guy. So oh, We wanted you know, to put we wanna
2: something. Make, yeah, we want to we mix it up a little bit.
1: <laughs> Oregon State at UCLA. Oh. UCLA is a five-and-a-half-point favorite.
2: Start the clock. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what you got, oh. big guy.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, you, you, I, I don't know. UCLA minus five-and-a-half. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of thought that
3: might stump him. Uh, he said yesterday, he goes, don't make it anything weird. But I did. Uh, that's weird. Uh, you know
2: what? We need to get you out of your rut. Maybe, get, yeah. maybe you're overthinking this a little bit with yeah. this SEC stuff. Skip out west, take a little yeah. trip to wine country, yeah. you know, on the like way out there. there. and Yeah. yeah.
3: Like out there.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, fellas. Uh, all right. It's time for some hot takes. Take a blues of time. Trey's got a little mystery. No, I know. I just
3: forgot to fill it out on the Google Doc. Uh, yeah. It's not a mystery to call on our show's producer. I have left each Saturday night's viewing experience feeling sort of unfulfilled. I don't think this season... Has been that fun so far. That's your hot take. That's my hot take, and I wanted to kind of see what you thought about. it. I think there's been three good games.
1: Well, uh, you guys have already been the
3: uh, Texas LSU Clemson this. North Carolina Georgia Notre Dame. I guess was like the, I was fine, but like I wasn't interested.
2: This has it. been a disappointing day out of you, Trey. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, first of all, you're are you not done with your breakdown? Keep going. No, I,
3: I think the season's gonna be a lot better, and it's great that we have eight teams who are potential champions. No. That's the only upside of this. I think. We've had some big games that haven't delivered, Ohio State, Nebraska says hello, and we've had some weeks that really haven't delivered either, so that's that's my take. Very average Joe Fan day out of you, you know, just being
2: unable to comprehend Notre Dame's talent level increase, uh, A, secondly sticking with chalk and just mm-hmm. carrying over Clemson's national championship throughout the season just until they lose, doesn't matter if they you know barely beat Charlotte. Uh, and now we're here where you think that it's been a boring season just because we haven't had a bunch of top twenty-five nail biters. Hey, you know, Michigan, Indiana was a good game last week. Check that one out. Michigan State, Indiana? Michigan State, Indiana. Uh, no, check yeah. that one out. Yeah, yeah. How, I about, haven't seen how about how about did you see uh, did you see the two-lane game against Houston? That was a wild Saw one. Saw that, yes. Yeah, I mean there, you know, it doesn't always have to be the blue bloods yeah. that are making some ways for it to be a fun season. So uh, I mean, it'd be
1: nice if it, it was. Thank well, you. Well, yeah, for you guys. Oh, God. I, for you guys. Yeah. Kinda low, the fact low that brow. we
3: have the same perspective <laughs> yeah. makes me a little Just bit Kind of Joe fans. Okay. Uh, all right. You want mine?
2: Yes, all right. please. All right. My take a palooza. And this is, uh, okay. This season will produce six first round quarterbacks in the spring. Name them. Oh, gosh. I had to name them. Uh, what? So, <laughs> what? <well, laughs> <laughs> I mean I know they're Why there. Why did you make the take? You just throw out six. No, no, no I know they're there. I just didn't write them down. I just didn't I write can them down. Do it. So let's see. We Tua, got Jalen Hurts Herbert. Tua Herbert. Uh, we've got Jake Brom. Fromm. Uh, we've Burrow. got Joe Burrow. And the one more Jessica. is No. No Fields perhaps uh Sin Oh uh Jacob Jacob Easton. Okay.
3: Jacob Easton. Alright, well I'm glad you can name
2: him. Yeah. And so and, and, look, the reality, the, is, one? the reality is I think that probably Needs will push one or two of those guys out of the first round. Yeah. But I think that's, that's – oh, you know who another one is? Josh Love or Jordan Love. I'm Jordan right. Love. Jordan Love uh, in the uh, Utah State. Who's uh, the best one, Tua? Uh, I think Tua probably would be sort of my lean for yeah. going number one. But, uh, you know, we got some – we got a little bit
1: of a competition there. All right. be fun. Connor, do you got any more questions you want to follow up with?
4: Yeah, we got some questions. Uh Michael Seltzer says, Tennessee is going to be the talk after they send Georgia home with the loss and all of you can kiss my grits. Any path to a Tennessee win over Georgia? He said no.
1: Tennessee? Yeah.
4: Wow. No. Um, I picked Tennessee to beat Auburn correctly last year. So
3: I feel like I have some sway here, but no.
2: Uh, yeah, it's hard for me to envision that. Hard to envision what that looks like. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see it. I could see a cover, just but even that's kind of... Like I, I, I thought, Tennessee I, was going to cover versus Florida. Yeah, I did too. Dangerous trap. I thought that I thought Tennessee had a chance to beat Florida, and they really, if if, if Guarantano had played a little better in the first half, that game may have changed. the the The
4: trajectory of that game might have changed, but didn't happen. Um, sorry, I toggled away. Uh, Van Waits wants to know: Do you think the reason Tua is playing later in games this year is because of a Heisman push? Oh, uh, that's a no. good question.
1: That's
3: they good. probably just need him. Uh, the defense isn't as stout. They don't have Jalen Hurts, so it's like I think it's, I, I, okay. Look, last year, keep to a healthy one and get Jalen Hurts involved and incentivized for staying was probably number one as far as two eggs in games early in the fourth quarter. Let's be totally honest. And the defense isn't as good this year. I think Nick Saban's gonna be a little bit more reluctant to start taking his foot off the gas early.
2: But I also think they're they're you're gonna see because there are these really good teams. And I'm not saying this is necessarily factoring into Saban's thinking, but it might be factoring into the subconscious, is that you are going to have to win impressively this year as the season progresses, given that so many other teams are. So I'll be curious if he just, you know, maybe throws one extra series more than he would otherwise just to keep, keep his foot on the gas.
4: Um, Howard Lerner wants to know whether we think it'll be bad for team harmony to have some players making big money off of their name, image, and likeness, uh, will that be an issue in the locker?
3: Room? First, I thought like there's a team harmony. I thought that too. I didn't understand
2: what's going on either. But no. So here's the, it's another like point that people are throwing out. I mean, there's there's constantly inequality on rosters, whether it goes to guys that are on the front of the poster that's that's put up for promotional purposes throughout campus. Whether it's the guy that's doing the game day interviews, uh, whether it's just the guy that's, whose parents are richer and so yeah. he drives a nicer car, like nothing changes here. This is still like this is still civilization where there's just sort of tiers of, of of success. You know, who's who's more fortunate than others, and the fact that someone's getting more money doesn't change anything. It's just it just creates an, another. And look, and then, hey, there's some maybe some, some rosters, some locker rooms that don't handle it well. I'm not saying that won't happen either, but I think that's why this is all, like this all c- corrects on its own in the sense that hey, hey, there, there might be a team that is really successful because no one's got any smart marketing deals, no one has any is is getting a bunch of money on the side, and they're all just dialed in and focused on the task at hand, and that's okay too. Good for that team. That's going to be fun for that fan base. And, and maybe, then maybe those guys get some good deals after
3: the season. Maybe if you want to think about Team Harmony in the other way, uh, a lot of these guys could be having a lot more. If two is making thousands of dollars, he's taking his guys out. You know, they're not worried about going to the bars with only $40 to their name, you know, like I was in college. So,
1: yeah. All right. Let's get to the fan of the week. Uh, it is Doug Gwinner. His question is, this could be a year where the SEC beats each other up and we will have no undefeated teams. Then what?
2: Uh, I mean, I I guess it could be, but um, I mean, no undefeated teams in the SEC. I think is is certainly possible, and maybe hey, look, no, maybe no undefeated teams nationally. I mean, that's that's certainly possible, but I also think that um, it's hard for me to envision Oklahoma or Ohio State or Clemson like none of those teams rolling through undefeated and. And it just you know, it feels like one of those SEC teams might will be able to make it through as well. But I mean, that's
1: that's certainly in the cards. I mean, it's certainly reasonable. All right, thank you for your question, Doug. All right, let's move on to our picks. Uh, just want to say your boy went nine and one last week. He's back in the race. I was horrible. It's been a
3: chalky week. Oh my gosh! Uh, look at uh, that. I like how just Josh every games. week brags, and he's just never number one.
1: Can you go? Actually, and I've, been trashed, and no, I've been trashing. No, I've been trashing my picks the last few weeks. I went six um, and four last. It week. Feels good to be on top. Uh, Connor, do you have some news on a contest?
4: I do. Uh, if you want to pick along with us, I've dropped a link in the chat on Facebook and YouTube uh, for CBS Pick'em Challenge. You can pick along with us and enter, win, enter to win a thousand dollars. So, if you and the the link and the passwords all in the chat. So check it out if you want to pick with us. Um, so are we, are we getting started now with picks?
1: Yeah, let's start. Talk let's up. go. Number 18, UCF, three-and-a-half-point favorite at Cincinnati.
4: All right. So, um, yeah, I went UCF here. Uh, traveling to Nippert, tough place to play, good Cincinnati team, but I think UCF's going to be better on both sides of the ball.
3: UCF, back on a nationally televised game. They want to impress people, UCF. Um,
2: this is... Actually, the best team UCF has played. I know they, they, they lost to the Pitt, um, but this is, you know, a good principle to stick by is weeknight home underdogs. I, I like that principle here. Cincinnati, blacking out the stadium, paying the field. They're going to put everything into this game, this opportunity. Um, I think that Cincinnati comes out with a great game plan
1: and wins it. Mr. 9-1 will take Central Florida. Air Force, two-and-a-half point favorite at Navy.
4: Yeah, I mean, I could tell you I had some principled reason for picking Navy, but I just uh, went with the underdog in a toss-up to increase my odds of uh, being the only one who picked them.
3: So Air Force blew them out last year, and Vegas has Air Force as a favorite, so therefore, I'm going Air Force. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's a, it's a tough trek, you know,
2: across country, crossing a couple time zones, but I think this Air Force team... Particularly because of their ability to throw the football a little bit if they need to. I I, I just like where they're at here.
1: I'm going to go Air Force as well. I like Air Force too. Saw them play Colorado the other week. Like them a lot. Baylor at Kansas State. Kansas State's a two-point favorite. Excuse me.
4: Yeah, I think Baylor's probably the better team, but I think coming after that big Iowa State win, maybe a bit of a letdown situation and traveling to Manhattan, so I'm going with the Wildcats.
3: I'm going K-State, but I'm going to use this portion to offer an apology to Connor, who I roasted last <laughs> week for picking Baylor to beat Iowa State. I said that was the worst pick in the history of Connor's picks. Obviously, not only was I wrong, I also looked like a massive idiot for picking <laughs> Maryland to beat Penn State, and they lost 59-0. to Last week was really, really, really bad for me on the show. Uh, I apologize, Connor. Go Wildcats. It's an odd
2: hill to die on. On the the, it really was Baylor. (laughs) I was
0: such an outburst.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm rolling with Baylor. Uh, Really, really believe in Matt Rule. Um, You know, I I think this Kansas State team is pretty good too. But uh, I think there's an advantage at the quarterback position. Charlie Brewer is, is I think, a really good player. And I think that was more of a survival game last week, and, and maybe they can gain some
1: confidence from it this week. Uh, I, I think Kansas State could win it, but uh, I'm picking Baylor. I am going to roll with the Wildcats. Maryland is a 13-and-a-half point favorite at Rutgers.
4: Yeah, I mean, Maryland's obviously not in the best mood right now after getting blown out by Penn State, but – Whatever problems Maryland has right now, they're not worse than what's going on at Rutgers. So, I'm going Terps. Yeah, we wanted
3: to pick the worst game of the week. We found it. Uh, I appreciate that that Rutgers could have a really big game under interim coach Nunzio Campanelli, but I'm going Maryland, who really needs this one. Central florida
1: UConn is probably the worst game of the week. South life. Florida. Yeah. What, whatever. Yeah, so, maybe. What well, f- worst Power 5 game, maybe.
2: Yeah. Uh, look, this is, this is probably crazy. This is probably stupid. I probably shouldn't be doing this, but oh. I, I am picking Rutgers here uh this is you know maryland's pretty beat up on the offensive line Uh, that's been a group that is struggling right now i i think that they you know the the quarterback play has lost all confidence in josh jackson um this is a ruckers team got a little dead cap bounce pack in them right now with the new head with the the interim coach um i think they got something to play for here and uh I think they proved some people wrong and find a way to beat Maryland.
3: Did anyone else see that? He was like, this is my soapbox moment. If I nail this pick, everyone's going to make a really big deal. I don't think anyone's going to. I known. kind of saw a not, in his Purdue, let's the Everyone watch out. Here's that's actually Rutgers not true.
2: <laughs> it's like, Don't even bank that. Like, I don't even. Purdue, I, don't, Ohio State. I saw if, it. If it if was Rutgers, Purdue,
3: Ohio State.
2: No, I'll take the Cincinnati. You want to clip that one and, and, and spread that around, <laughs> I'll take it. But this is just purely... <laughs> You know, trying to find <laughs> a tallest midget situation. I, I, Maryland, could, Maryland Maryland could win this one by thirty. <laughs> okay,
1: I, I'm going to take Maryland.
4: Let's move on. Is that,
1: that not I, like, let's, see? let's move on for that. Arizona at Colorado. Colorado is a three and a half point favorite.
4: Yeah, even with the questions about Khalil Tate's availability for this one, even even if they go with Grant Gannell, uh, who uh, played last week in the win against UCLA, I think. The Wildcats will be fine either way. Colorado's defense is just too bad. Big fan of what Colorado potentially could do here. Uh, I go in, Buffaloes. I like Colorado. I
2: think Colorado's. I mean, their, their defense has worried me a little bit. Um, I do think Arizona is is a better team with Khalil Tate in, obviously, and and he was bouncing around the sideline. Looked like he wants to play. So I, I think Arizona could win this game for sure. But I, I've been. Sort of riding Colorado, thinking that people undervalued them throughout the year. I think there's another spot where they're, they're going to prove some people
1: wrong. I like Colorado. I like them even better at home. Give me Colorado. Northwestern at Nebraska. Nebraska is an eight-point favorite.
4: Yeah. Um, for, for reasons we talked about earlier, I, Nebraska needs this one. and Maybe I'm putting a little bit too much stock in preseason expectations here because Northwestern will Northwestern you at times, and this seems like a spot where they might do it, but I'm, I'm going with the Huskers. Nebraska, as you said, needs this
3: one. Adrian Martinez needs this one. He will be better than he was against Ohio State, where his QBR was 3.4. Let's do this, Scott. Nebraska. Yeah, I'm going to go Nebraska as well. Less
2: a bet on Nebraska, more fade on Northwestern. I just That offense is just, man, it's bad. It's ugly. So I'm going to go Nebraska here.
1: I'm on the train, Nebraska. Uh... The next game, I'm sorry, Iowa at number 19, Michigan. Michigan's a a three-and-a-half-point favorite.
4: Yeah, there's a part of me that wanted to get sucked into the, wow, Michigan blew out Rutgers last week. Maybe they've got it sorted out after all, but I'm not going to let myself fall into that trap, and I'm going with Iowa.
3: It was Rutgers, yeah. That's the only reason Michigan won that game big. I think Iowa wins this one. I think Iowa will run the ball. I think Iowa will also stop Michigan's ground attack. Let's see what Shea Patterson can do against a non ruckers opponent. I, I, I'm a little bit worried about this game. Uh, I think Michigan
2: could, you know, could bounce back. I think this is, you know, it's time for them to play well. And, and Iowa's record could be a little misleading right now. But I, my principle this year across the board has just been trust my eyes. Iowa's just looked better um i'm gonna go with iowa
1: again i knew you guys would pick iowa so i'm picking michigan i believe they do bounce back let's go wolverines number 25 michigan state and number four ohio state ohio state's a 20 and a half point favorite
4: yeah i mean i'm sure michigan state will find a way to make this game ugly and maybe even cover but i don't think there's really any reason for ohio state to worry outside of what Happens to them sometimes in previous season against the Spartans. But I think what we've seen so far uh, under Ryan Day is that this Ohio State team is playing a little bit more clearly and with a sense of purpose and things are, I, I don't think they'll fall into that trap where some of those late Urban Meyer teams did.
3: Ever since the game in which the Buckeyes forgot they had Ezekiel Elliott on their team against Michigan State and lost, these games have been ugly. I'm always tempted to kind of think Miss Michigan State's gonna you know, ugly it up. Not today, Ohio State wins and covers. Yeah, uh, they
2: won by 20 last year. I think they won by 35 oh, yeah. the year before that. I mean, the mystique of this game has, has lost its luster a little bit. Uh, I think Ohio State's just that much better than Michigan State. Uh, you know, they haven't played a lot of really impressive offenses <clears throat> as Michigan State, and, in fact, Indiana last week kind of cut them up a little bit uh, in the past game, so I think Ohio
1: State wins big. I'm going to be saying this a lot, Ohio State big. Number 11 Texas minus, or oh, sorry, is 11 and a half point favorite versus West Virginia. I'm reading that up there.
4: Yeah, I mean the trip to Morgantown is always tough, uh, but and it's a long trip. But uh, I think Texas is just too much talent, even a little banged up and thin in some places as they are. Yeah, it's not.
3: Texas wins. Uh, Texas is probably already looking ahead to Oklahoma on October 12th in Dallas. I'm looking ahead to that. I will be there. Texas takes care of business. It might not be pretty, but it never is the week before Texas OU. Upset alert. Watch out. I'm not picking on Okay. Up. <laughs> I'm not picking You're up. always against Texas, man. It's like, gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I
2: mean, hey, against Oklahoma <laughs> State, they, they almost did lose. They, this is. Uh, I, this is a scary game. They're really beat up. I, I, this is gonna one I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, in fact, I think I even picked West Virginia to cover the
3: spread here, but uh, but Texas doesn't lose. I think Texas wins. You don't deserve to have the Longhorn next to your name.
1: <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at, Texas. Uh, finally, number seven, Auburn, is a three-point favorite at number 10, Florida.
4: Yeah, I thought about pulling the trigger on an upset pick here. Uh Florida's defense is really good. I think Kyle Trask has been reasonably impressive, maybe slightly better than Felipe Franks has been so far this season. Um, So I think we'll come away feeling better about Florida, but I think Auburn will win.
3: Yeah, I've got Auburn. Suffocating defense, both of these teams have suffocating defenses. I think Auburn does have the better quarterback in Bo Nix. I think Gus Malzahn, again, is going to kind of have a really fun game plan, just like he had two weeks ago in College Station. War Eagle. I'm picking Auburn because I trust my eyes. Again, I've seen, I think Auburn looks better.
2: Uh, Florida has not been overly impressive. That said, I mean, if if there's a bunch of Auburns uh, on this screen at the end of this, I've got a feeling we're going to be wrong. Florida just finds a way to win this game every, I mean, I could very easily see a scenario with some 2019 weird game where Florida gets a pick six and, and wins it, but
1: here I am. I'm going Auburn. Breaking news: There's another Auburn going up on the board. Yep.
2: I just don't I can't
3: like, believe this. I
1: just don't like Florida's offense against their defense. I just, just think it's a terrible matchup. So I'm taking Auburn. Uh, all right, so that does it for us. Uh, any parting shots, fellas? Good show.
3: No, I mean Texas would crush another Dame on a neutral field. Uh, that's just, all I got. No, we know, know you're hot. It was fun, button, guys. Right
1: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, for Bart, for Trey, Connor, Colin, Mike in the back, uh, Kevin Boiler. Aaron, forgot Aaron always, uh, and Ted, of course. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.
5: CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I,
6: I am a citizen of the United States.
0: I'm a hustler.